0: Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte, exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry,
1: entirely uncut and unscripted.
0: Welcome to the B&E Podcast, and we're in the hundreds, folks, the hundreds. That means we have recorded a hell of a lot before this, and you should listen to all of them. <laughs> we have no idea what we're going to talk about today, but we have literally done over a hundred podcast episodes. And for half of them, they have been a not so serious Sunday, meaning that we've had conversations that we didn't know where they were going to go or what they were going to be about until partway through it. And you surprisingly, if you read the title, know more than we do at this moment. Yep. And that's my cohort. That's the fun. That's the fun. (laughs) As he calls me sometimes his cohort. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, We also have a live audience that tunes in to watch us talk. So you can do that in the future, potentially while that's happening. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Just join my channel at Brandon Colby Cook uh, and pocketlive.tv. Yep. And watch live streams of us actually do it.
1: Yep. You can see our big stupid faces (laughs) as we have our, have our, have our big stupid talks. That's right. No, I I don't think our talks are stupid. Well, sometimes a little stupidity is good for the soul. I think sometimes.
0: Yeah. I mean, and you have, you have the right to your opinion and if someone else thinks it's stupid, they have the right to their opinion. Yeah. Sometimes it's fun to call your own stuff stupid because it just takes the pressure off. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Why not? Um, but anyway, yeah, I know I think these, these talks end up getting into some pretty heavy stuff. Um, so I don't know. Why don't we just talk about how things have been going in our lives and see what happens.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, before maybe necessarily we jump to that, you said something. I did. And just in this whole thing that I'm just like, oh yeah, like that's, in fact, it was something that, um, I talked about recently with somebody. Yeah. I think it was just last weekend. I think you were there and, uh, and you know, this whole you talk about stupid and like just letting yourself be stupid, taking the pressure off and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, yeah, it was just like a few weeks ago. I was talking to somebody about how I started going into auditions. Like this is some, some time back, but I you put so much pressure on myself for auditions and, and wanting to get the job so bad. And, and, and uh, what I ended up starting to do was before I'd go into my audition and when I was working on it, you know, like the night before going in, I would say, I'm going to, I'm going to just fucking suck. (laughs) I'm going to suck. I'm going to be brutal. I'm going to be awful. Yeah. And then I actually started enjoying my auditions a little bit more, Hmm. you know, I, I didn't always still get the job or whatever, but it, I had started having a lot more fun and was not nearly so like s- stressed out about the whole thing. Mm. Yeah.
0: I think that's good. I mean, I, I think when, you know, I was talking to my agent cause, uh, I basically just declared to the world again that I'm coming back to acting after basically taking a two year hiatus of, I mean, I did actually get a bunch of parts, uh, a few last year, but the year before I actually got a lot, even though I wasn't really participating in it, it was just kind of like, I almost couldn't fail. It was like everything I went out for was just kind of getting, which is probably kind of weirdly frustrating for my agent, I suppose, because it's like, you don't send me out for a lot, but I tend to get a lot of what you send me out for. Mm. But I was also going through a period of time where I was very apathetic about my acting. I was Mm. just kind of like, you know, I wasn't passionate about it. I wasn't really believing in my future of it. It was weird because even though I was getting parts, I wasn't really even happy too much with the parts I was getting. I was just kind of like, right.
1: Going through the motions, yeah, it going through the
0: motions, you yeah. know, and, you know, and to me, like, it's, I mean, at one point in my life to have gotten a bunch of parts as an actor, just to be a working actor and get paid to do that was really super big deal. And I think for anybody in, in certain stages of your career, if you're working or getting parts, I mean, that's great no matter what. But for me, I wasn't really finding a lot of joy out of it. Mm. And then last year was probably like, I went out for less auditions, participated less, um, still managed to even get some parts in spite of myself. And, um, yeah. And so, you know, it's been months. I mean, there was, I think last fall or less, not even fall. I don't know what it was. I was going out for a bunch of stuff and it was like, they kept calling me back. Like I was probably going to book stuff. And there was probably about one role. Like they were actually pretty good roles, pretty good sized roles, but there's only one role out of all of those roles that I went out for that I really liked. And so, you know it was just not very fulfilling for me to go to these auditions and then recently since we've done that performer's mastery i i don't know what it was but like something about that got me to reconnect to why i love acting mm. and i think what's good is that i want to act and i don't care so much about the content i'm doing i actually really enjoy the process of being an actor and so i think i'm for lack of a better way of putting it, being a little bit less pretentious about my acting, mm. but also i 'm way more hopeful about the future. I think the reason why I was a little bit more pretentious about it was because I was like, well, i don 't really want to dedicate my life to doing a bunch of principal parts of characters that no one would even remember in shows that i don 't care about. you know, but now it 's kind of like i don 't really care if anybody ever sees me in a show again, even if I do a big role. What I care about is the experience of acting now. Yeah. And that sounds like not a big difference, but that's a massive difference. Mm -hmm. And so, like, my agent and we were even talking about it, because I haven't auditioned for commercials in years. It's all been movies and television, which has been kind of fortunate that I've earned enough of a place to keep getting called out for that shit. Yeah. But uh, I was even like, you know what, I might even do commercials again. Not because I want to necessarily book commercials, but I like the fact that it's right now, I'm kind of in a place where I feel like. I just want to get out and I want to do stuff and I want to say some lines, have some fun, play a little imagination. Yeah. And this is really great for me. It's kind of an interesting thing. I think this is going to mature into something even, even better. But right now I'm kind of, I'm looking at it like I'm restarting my entire acting career. Mm. And here's the interesting thing. I, I don't know, but, and I'm sure other actors can probably relate to this, don't you ever feel like your acting makes no impact on anybody that like, <laughs> you're just like, it only matters to you and your mom, you know? Right. And like people like kind of go congratulations, but like no one really gives a shit and everybody is kind of like, just kind of carries themselves. And maybe you got some friends that aren't in the industry, but you know, and you book some roles on some TV and they think it's a big deal and you don't really, but you're like, it's kind of like, everything's like blah. Yeah. You know? Well, when I declared that I was coming back to acting, I could not believe how much of an impact my acting, even in classes and things like that had made on people. I didn't realize that it actually had an impact on people. And just to hear their responses and and my agent was super excited. I had friends that were super excited, like really genuinely, like, I'm so glad you're back. I, you know, I, you know, and you've got to act like, you know, it's just, just, you know, and just like a lot of confidence. And I was like, wow, I didn't know it made an impact. I just thought, you know, it's always felt like th- this disconnect and, and, mm. and kind of getting that recognition, not, not recognition, realize having that realization has changed it for me because now I'm seeing that I make a bigger impact than I realize. And the fact that I can do that, doing what I love, um, is, I don't know, it's just in, inspiring. It's encouraging. I'm excited. I feel So I, so I just kind of said, you know what? Um, I do have a lot of experience. I've trained a lot, but I'm going to go back into acting as though, as though I know nothing. Yeah. I'm going to come back into this. I'm going to come at it from a place of excitement and hopefulness and faith and belief that if I do this and I, and I take away any, any jaded thoughts I might've had, any negative feelings I might've incurred through the process of it. And I just simply embrace it that, that really great things are, are about to happen. And yeah, and since I've done that, I feel like um, I've just been noticing like the universe almost like, say it's funny, say the universe, but it's like the world just almost like opens up. It's mm. like, you know, I didn't, I did my first audition since I've been back the other day. I had a great time, went really well. And it's just like, yeah, like I feel like it wasn't apathetic at all, but I wasn't stressed either. I was super calm and I didn't care too much if it was good. I actually know it was, I I, I'm certain it was really good, solid connected work, Yeah. but none of that mattered. It was like, and it's weird because I think the thing that I've realized as an actor and I, and I'd say, I tell this to screenwriters all the time is that so much of what's going to get you to succeed at this is your sense of confidence and belief in yourself Mm. more than, more than your ability in many ways. And I think that you you got to have some ability but like you know one without the other like you kind of need both one without yeah. the other and you're nowhere you know and so i'm kind of going well i think i have enough of ability obviously to book some roles and do some stuff that's been proven but now it's like if i have that belief and faith behind me where could i go you know yeah. like if i'm like a day player actor right now and i and i'm good enough to work on paid television and movies to do that where could i be if I really applied myself with like a belief and a faith and a sense of like calm confidence as I go through this. So I'm excited. I'm going to see what's going to happen. And I'm just ready to kind of embrace that. It's kind of good timing really.
1: Yeah. 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 I think that a lot of it is having, um, you know, having some perspective of the bigger, of the bigger game that you're playing. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I remember at one point, every audition was like this, was like this mountain to be climbed. It was like this thing to be achieved. And if I didn't book it, then it was a failure. And Mm. it was just like, it was going in to, to get the job. I mean, yeah, of course you're, you're going in to get the job. Like you want the job. Of course you do. Right. Um, or at least usually you do. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes you don't actually, but, uh, But when that's, when you're carrying all of that shit in with you of like, oh, I've got to get the job. It's, it, you just, I think you, you just like, you really cut yourself off. Yeah. Like for me, it's like, it was, it's, you start to feel like you're acting from the neck up. Yeah. You know, like you just completely shut down the rest of your entire body and your being. And you, you're now, or at least for myself, I was approaching it from, it's like, okay, how do I do this? Right. Mm -hmm. How do I, how do I give the, the, the performance that they want that? I think that, you know, they're, they're looking for, you know, based on what I understand the scene to be. I mean, you know, there, there can be something said about having a certain awareness of that, but I don't know. It didn't get me very far. Yes. Yeah, you know, like yeah. it's, it's, and, and you just feel totally dead because, because you're working from the neck up, you know, you're, you're working to get the job as opposed to doing what your job actually is, which is to connect to the material, to, to really find something in it that you emotionally connect to, that you viscerally connect to. And not just that,
0: but connecting to something in the moment as it as it happens. I mean, you know, that's that's I think the kind of thing that I don't know. Like, I think that I I totally relate to this idea of like wanting to get it right and wanting everything to be kind of optimal and ideal. Like, you know, and and when you kind of want everything to be optimal and ideal, it's kind of like you want the reader and to to respond the way that you think they're supposed to respond. Yeah, you want the casting director to be warm. You want you know them to kind of really want to work with you. There's all these things that you want to set up, but sometimes you're going to go in and you're just going to get none of that. But what I'm finding more and what I found um, when I was like booking some stuff there, it was kind of like, I was like, well, whatever the situation is, I'm just going to deal with it. Now, I wasn't necessarily in the best place personally, but from an acting standpoint, it was kind of working for me because I didn't really care what they threw at me because it didn't matter to me. It was a little bit apathetic, which I don't recommend for anybody. But I learned a lesson through it, which was that there was some good to take from it, which was simply that if I don't care so much about everything being optimal and perfect and right, or this working out, I'll literally just take whatever's given to me and I'll deal with it. And granted, you know, it's weird because, and I, and I, and again, I don't recommend this for anybody, but take my realizations maybe and run with them. But I was kind of depressed, you know, I was down in the dumps. I was broke. I was in debt. I was depressed. Things were just not working out. Um, I even think at one point, you know, uh, I had a breakup with someone, you know, and it just like, just like going like, what the fuck? Like life is just not working out. And in a weird way, like uh, other people, from an observation view, kind of, I think it projected a certain kind of like, oh, you're doing great. You know, your career's taken off with your writing and your book and roles as an actor. And, and from the outside, it looked good, but inside I was not great. But, uh, you know, you got to look at these times in your life, I think, and go, what are, what can I take from that? What can I learn? And I think what I learned and what I've taken away from my period of depression, not just in acting, but just in life in general, mm-hmm. is like, uh, when you're depressed and you're down and you're in debt and you're broke, you take what you can get. You just take what you can get. I mean, like when you, like you don't really, like it's kind of beggars can't be choosers kind of mentality a little bit. Yeah. And it's not optimal. It's not great. And I don't think we should come from that place of mind, but there's something that was really powerful about it. And I didn't know it, which was simply that in life, regardless of you're depressed or not, regardless of you're down in the dumps or not, you got to deal with what is right there in front of you and right here. That's it. That's all you got. Yeah. You know, and all your ideas and all the other stuff is all bullshit. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, it gave me a chance to experience myself without all my bullshit. Um, cause it's weird. Like you'd think that when I had, cause there was a period of time where I had a lot of money and I had a lot of access. I had everything. I was, I was in, and not just doing one acting class, I was doing two acting classes with two different teachers, you know? And I was, um, Buying the shit I want, living the way I wanted, all that. And you'd think that while that was happening, everything would have worked out really well for me. Yeah. Ironically, I think that's when I had the most bullshit in my way, you know? So the lesson that I'm kind of applying right now is like, I'm going to show up and I don't know how they're going to be in the room. They're going to be how they're going to be. I don't get to control that. Yeah. And if they're cold today, they're cold today. I'll deal with it. If the reader gives me nothing, You know, I'll, I'll deal with it. If I know the reader and they happen to be someone who just doesn't like me and they maybe, who knows, I'm not saying this happened, but like they want to sabotage my edition. I'll deal with it. I'll deal with it as it actually is. And I'll be true to what I can control, which is me and my internal world and my, my sense of feeling about it. But that's it. Yeah. Oh
1: yeah. For, um, I mean, I remember through like Meister work, it was one of the big lessons learning in that and really learning that, and having experience of it was there's never nothing. There is always something. Hmm. There's always something going on, you know, but it's some, so often we have an idea of what's supposed, supposed to be going on, what should be going on. And that's when you get those things where it's like, you're just like, this person's not giving me anything. This is bullshit. And you get and you just get like upset about it. And you just kind of sabotage, What's going on? Mm -hmm. You know, you just kind of like you just throw away, especially in acting, you just throw away your performance. You're like, well, they weren't giving me anything. Yeah, like blame. It's like, yeah, exactly. You just blame it because things aren't going the way that you know you thought they should be going. Mm -hmm. Right? This is fucking it all up, and (laughs) blah 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 blah. It's like it's basically, and it's really just your own frustration with your own self and the place that you're at. Yeah, kind of thing. But when you learn to, when, when you get out of this, out of your ideas of how something is supposed to go, I mean, that's the first step. just like being able to go, okay, I don't know what's going to happen in here. Then if you have a great reader, then you have a great reader. You know, if you have a bad one, doesn't matter. Hmm. You know, you're going to use that. You're going to use whatever the hell that is and, and whatever that elicits for you right? Like it's, it's, you if you're constantly playing with what you're actually getting, you'll always be truthful. Yeah. At least as far as acting goes, but if you're actually working with what's happening, like that will still come across as opposed to you trying to, you not getting something, but trying to play it as if you are. I think that,
0: you know, one of the big things I've been learning about acting, especially acting is that you don't get to control whether it's your best performance or not. that has nothing to do with it you You only get to deal with what is happening and everything else like in it and maybe you do it truthfully, but maybe that way that you did it, that time, that response, those natural instincts are not the best version of of how you could do it and I think you got to let go of the fact that when you're an actor. Most of the time, you're not going to do your best take, best performance, best whatever. There's always going to be something that you can go. Well, it could have gone better if I could craft and organize yeah. this. It would. Uh, these are the things I would do. But I think what we put too much pressure on ourselves. I think what people just want to see is they want to see something really truthful because the audience doesn't know most of the time that it could be better. I mean, other actors can look and go, well, I couldn't have done that better?" It's like, well, that's kind of bullshit because no, you could you, so you're saying your truth is better. It's like, not really, but that, that it begs the question. It's like, if someone is fully truthful, I don't think you can be better than that. Yeah. You you know, they're responding truthfully
1: in the moment, given you in the same moment, how could you be better? Well, again, it's, it's all still caught up in, in our ideas of what better is or what the good thing was. It's like, but you don't actually know. You don't actually know, which I think this is why it's such an important thing to get past. I'm sure we can parallel this with like other other art forms and crafts. Or if you're listening to this, you can find like we're using acting just because we're quite intimate with that as a vocation. But if you can get past these ideas, it's like, oh, I should have done better. It's like, how do you know? Yeah. Had like maybe you felt like you were a little disconnected or whatever, but there's so, I found that so often my ideas of what good was supposed to be was a bunch of bullshit. Right. It was a bunch of ideas I had about what great and brilliant looks like. Hmm. And it's, that's not where that occurs. Brilliant does not occur in that thought space. It just doesn't. It doesn't happen there, but we we try and do that just like, okay, if it comes out this way and I'm going to, you know, and like, and, and with acting, you know, we have all of these techniques and stuff like that, you know, like we try and just control the fuck out of this scene and this whole story. It's like, okay, if I make it go this way, then it'll be brilliant. Mm. And now you're, you've just like confined yourself into like this, like you've got to, you've got to thread the fucking needle on this thing now. Yeah. And you still don't even know if that's going to be good. You don't know. You'll never know. Yeah.
0: And the director is going to take it in a direction, and and you know, uh, people are going to drop you know the boom in on your best take. Uh, you know, it, you're going to have the thing that you think is the perfect response. Um, you know, they they're, they're going to be out of focus. I mean, all sorts of stuff happens. Yeah. You know, you don't get to control it all being perfect. And so I think like there's so much stress that comes with trying to do it right. There's just so much stress and so much pain and it's not enjoyable anymore. Yeah. I think the thing is, is you got to get yourself to the point as an actor, I think your main goal. And I, I, I speak to myself, you know, if I was younger, listening to myself on this is what I'd say to myself, get to the point where you trust you, that you, no matter what happens, whatever you do, if it's honest, if it's real, if it's connected to you, it's all perfect as it is. And it's going to look imperfect. And that's what makes it so good. Yeah. If you try to sculpt that imperfection in any way, you will ruin it. And you will also ruin your experience of it. And I think there's really two things as an actor. I think we have two things that are really our goals. One is that you got to experience loving the acting. You got to experience the joy of acting. Otherwise get something else, do something else. There's yeah. no point. Even if you're doing a crying scene and you're, you're, you're breaking your heart in the middle of a scene, your heart is breaking. Learn to enjoy and embrace the fact that you're alive, living, experiencing, and, and, and simply do that. The other part of it is build your craft and your confidence and your personal ability to the point where you don't have to think about it anymore. Where where responding, saying a line comes with a certain kind of faith that however it comes out will be totally fine. Even if your voice cracks in the middle of it, that's better yeah. than it is if you go, Oh, well, my voice didn't crack on that line. It, it's there's a truth in and in in you're, you're right. In some ways it's better if your if your voice doesn't crack on the line, but if that's how it came out and that was really a hundred percent truthful and honest, that's what they'll keep. That's what matters. Yeah. And you know what? The other thing too is you might come up with the perfect take. And here's the other thing. They might not use it. They might not think yeah. that that's the perfect one. And so, Completely. you know, you don't know. So you got to enjoy the experience. And then, and that's way you can actually sustain this industry. Cause I don't think you can sustain it if you're too controlled.
1: Yeah. And that's, and I think that's both on, uh, like a career level, like a, and a professional level. And that's also on a personal level as well, in terms of sustaining the amount of like that you're enjoying what you're doing. Like, cause if you're constantly just trying to control and you're trying to make things go a certain way and trying to attain this, this specific result all the time out of this notion of what you think it should be, which again, I mean, part of what you're saying is fits into that whole realm of, especially with, I mean, within so many creative mediums, there's such a collaborative thing going on, especially in film and theater and acting. Like, it's just like, yeah, you've got this idea, but guess what? You're one fucking person. Yeah. In a cast of like, however many other people, hell you just throw one other person. Maybe it's a two person play. doesn't matter. You've got somebody else who's coming in with some ideas too that are going to totally throw a wrench into it. And the best thing to do is to go with the wrench take the fucking wrench, take it on the chin. Right. If that's what it means. I mean, I, I remember when just like so profoundly learning the joy of letting go of trying to control how shit goes when in, in performing and the, just the, the thrill of that. I were doing, um, Sam Shepard's true West, uh, just a brilliant play. Brilliant. And I was doing this, scene. it's like, I think you probably know it. It's like where the, the brothers, like the one, the older brother is forcing the younger one to like write this, this like treatment, this outline yeah, um, for a script, which is just like, just the dumbest fucking idea and <laughs> whatever. And so I was doing this and I ended up getting, um, a different scene partner right before I went up. I'd been rehearsing with somebody else and there was somebody else who was also preparing this thing. And we, we swapped. So I was working, doing the scene for the first time with this guy who I hadn't done the scene with. And so I'd come in I'd, and I'd done all my preparation. This is the thing. Like, it's not that like, I'm not just doing anything. I'm not just saying, well, fuck it. i just going to figure it out in the moment. It's like, I've read this thing through. Like, I understand what's going on you know, within this scene, I understand, like I've, I've looked at, it, I understand what I'm trying to do, what, what the, I'm trying to get through this scene. I, I understand so much of the circumstances I've done that, Yeah. that work. It's not that I haven't done work on it, but now it's like, it's not me being so attached to how I think those things are supposed to fit into the performance. Yeah. Ming say, okay, well, because of this, then this has to be said like this, or this has to come out like this. It's like, no, it doesn't mean any of that. It's just like a, a quote I like to bring up often is as one from Daniel Day Lewis in an article I read, he used the word, um, you build an understanding beyond what's required out of a trust that it will nourish you. So it's like it's just nourishment, like it's just it's it's just stuff that's inside of you. You're not consciously trying to show this work that you've been doing. You just you trust that it's flowing through you. It's giving you sustenance in the scene. Mm. Um, and now you trust the moment. But I remember, so I'd come in to do this scene. I'm like, okay, I'm working with you, great. And I had prepared like these. You know, I got these like empty beer bottles and stuff because like they're in like they're in the like the heat and and whatever and they're sweating and I'm like okay, I'm drinking a few beers right during yeah. the scene like it makes sense to me. so I like filled these like beer bottles with like club soda or whatever I prepared these things for me to like be just doing you know over the course of the scene and my partner at one point he grabbed the bottle from me and he took it and he started drinking it. And I was just so fucking angry. <laughs> and I was just like, but there was a part of me that's like, this is great. Yeah. And <laughs> the back of my mind's like, this is so amazing. Like he just did that. I'm so mad that he just did that. Right. And I was like, and I'm, I'm rolling with it. If I have, because to me in my head still at that time, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to like have these beers just to like drink for myself. You know, I'll just be like swigging these back and whatever. It'll be part of sort of my life in the scene of, of stuff that I'm doing. Hmm. And he completely threw a wrench into that. It's like, that's my prop. That's my drink. I was planning on drinking that through the course of this scene. Yeah. (laughs) And now I don't get to do that anymore. And by just kind of like embracing it, so much awesome shit ended up happening. It, it ended up going into a thing where at a moment later on, he's been drinking this thing. I tried to take it back from him. I was just like, I fucking want it back. And we went for it. And it's a scene. It's like two brothers, like two, like two fists on like a one beer bottle, <laughs> like fighting over a beer. And it was perfect. I mean, if you know the the play, if you know how they're like, what their relationship is like, yeah it's just like, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. We're just going to fight over a stupid beer Mm -hmm. right now. Like we're just going to do that right now. Like with all our might, we're just going (laughs) to struggle with this thing. And I had so much fun. It was unbelievable. It's only through getting past all of these fucking ideas of what we think something is supposed to look like. Yeah. Well, and you know, the other thing too, is life when it's
0: lived at its fullest is messy. I mean, anybody who's ever really put themselves out there, who's ever really gone for it knows that it's messy. I mean, when you have a really controlled, safe environment where you're not really playing outside of your comfort zone, you can pretty much do everything perfectly and control that you don't make any mistakes. But if you start putting yourself and your heart into something where you're totally out of control, like, uh, you know making a movie for example um and you've never made a movie before everything you could imagine is going to test you and challenge you and it's going to go wrong and really it's kind of just how do you how do you handle that you know when you're uh i don't know like like when you're dating when you're in a relationship and maybe you're dating somebody who you know you kind of don't know you, you know, you don't really know if it's going to work, not work or whatever, every like it's messy and there's a messiness to it. And that's it's super exciting. And I think that like acting is messy and, and, you know, how many times in our life are we going to be in a situation where this stuff is really actually happening? You know? Um, I mean, I did a scene the other day and the scene that I did was basically, I'm a, I'm a, uh, essentially a soldier at like, um, essentially like a CIA type of building. And, um, we start to find out that the person who's trying to get in might be a criminal mm. and I'm not like, that's not normally my n- normal day-to-day job. Yeah, <laughs> Right. I'm a podcaster who acts every now and then, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like I make some movies. I don't, I, I don't know what it's like to be like, I, I might have to shoot somebody I might, uh, this might be a firefight right now. It didn't happen in the scene, but like it's messy. Yeah. Do, do like, what do I do? Do I, do I put my gun? Do I grab my gun? Do I pull it out right now? Like how, how much aggression do I use in this moment? Yeah. Like now the thing is, is that what I discovered is interesting is my processing that not what I actually do. Right. Like the fact that I put my hand on my gun when I'm trying to figure out you know, how much aggression do I use here? Because, you know, we haven't verified it yet, but that's messy. Like, can you imagine being a, being a, a traffic cop, for example, and you pull someone over routine pullover, you're talking to the person and, and they reach for the, uh, they reach for the glove box or something to grab something. And you see that they have a gun in there. Like you're, there's no right response like, there's no real right response yet. It's like, well, pull your gun on them, shoot them. You know, how, how quickly do they pull the gun on you? Are they going to see that you've pulled the gun on them? Like there's this whole variation of experience that can happen yeah. in there and it's messy. And I think that's what people don't understand. We see these like action movies and, and like, you'll get a stunt choreograph choreographer to figure all that stuff out. But in real life, the actual acting of it, the, the emotional, cause that's what actors do. We're not stunt performers. Yeah. Some of us do stunts, but our emotional experience of the moment is messy. Mm-hmm. And this is why being an actor and trying to do everything perfect is totally incorrect. Yeah. It, it's got to be a messy
1: experience because that's what the audience is really looking yeah. for. Yeah. Well, I mean, and part of it too, is that you're trying to have an experience of something that you've never had before. Mm-hmm you know, which is, I think, part of why you act in the first place, why you do this thing is to have an experience of something that is out of the ordinary, you know, for you. Why, why do we do so, so many things? Acting is just another form for us to to have new experiences, even though it is, yes, it's fictional. None of this is actually really happening right. But you go about it as if it is really yeah. happening and you do it as close, like that's the art of acting. I mean, you're doing it as close to reality as you can trying to have as authentically an experience of something as you can. And also like you,
0: you know, with certain, like people go, well, there's certain styles, you know, it's comedy, it's drama, it's thriller, whatever. But you know, there, there, there's a director style. There's all this other stuff that just becomes a part of your world. If my world was this way, then you respond as though your world is that way. I mean, you know, you don't, um, you make it real R- regardless you make it real yeah. to yourself almost
1: like it's a parallel universe it's like yeah. this is kind of how the way things are just kind of quirkier yeah in this like, universe like you know? what's his
0: name wes anderson or whatever yeah right like and he does like the royal tenenbaums and 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 what's that other aqua one
1: i don't know oh yeah the life aquatic Like of life aquatic and, you know uh, the grand budapest hotel and right yeah so
0: he creates a certain kind of world it's a little emo it's a little bit kind of ridiculous it's a yeah. little bit kind of um, you know, people have an apathy, but like that hides like a deep emotion. And that's just kind of how that world works, you know, yeah. in a lot of those shows, at least the world Bombs that's kind yeah. of more. Um, and so you play in that world, that sandbox that was created, and you do that as honest, as honestly and real as possible. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is once that tone is all set, you just live in that world and, and you're yeah. right. It's a good way to put it a parallel universe. Yeah. Because, because, you know, that's one thing we learned in film school is like, don't, don't, judge a film on how realistic it is. It really, what they were saying is just judge it on how truthful it is. Mm -hmm. It's all the same thing. I, I, you know, the same message keeps, keeps seeming to come back. It doesn't matter if you're writing or acting or dating or directing. It doesn't really matter what it is or just doing life. Be truthful. Yeah. That's all that really seems to matter. And yet, yeah, I don't know why we don't talk about that enough
1: like, because we like to, we like to add all of this shit on top of it. Like, like it's just like, oh, it's all of these other things. Yeah. Right. It's all these things of right and wrong. And it's ego shit about like, look at the work that I do, you know, yeah that kind of crap. And it's just like, no, it's all bullshit. Like it's all bullshit. Like this is really what it's about. Let's not get distracted of what it's really all about. Mm -hmm. Um, but part of what I wanted to say is like, you know, with, having an experience, you know, is actually like having an experience as part of what this whole thing is. And, and one that you never had before, how do you think you're going to have an experience that is different from your own life when you are trying to figure it all out with your head, which is what you already know. The only way you can do that is to go into completely unknown territory where you have no idea what's going to happen. This is like, for me, where like, real, genuine, authentic creativity occurs. It's always in the unknown. It's always in in shit where you're like, I have no idea what's going to happen here. I'll take my best fucking guess at it. But I have no idea what the result is going to be. And maybe you sort of stumble into something, but only through, it's only through accepting and embracing something that you haven't, the mm. the possibility of something you haven't experienced before and being open to that. Well, can you actually have it? Because otherwise you're just stuck in your own little, your own little bubble, your own little wheelhouse.
0: You know what I'm realizing is that, uh, cause I've been, t- I've been, uh, having a lot of conversations over the last week, really with people about fear and excitement. Mm. And I've realized that, you know, and and I kind of started to stumble across this idea, but I've realized, I mean, they say that excitement and fear are basically the same body feeling, but the difference is your idea, your, your what your mind tells you the feeling is. So if mm-hmm. your mind tells you you're walking into trouble, then it's fear, and if it tells you you're
1: walking into an adventure, it's it's excitement.
0: Mm-hmm. But I think when I'm realizing, starts,
1: your heart starts beating, your adrenaline starts pumping, like yeah, a lot of physiologically similar same, things, yeah, similar things. So, what I'm realizing is that
0: acting, like life, like dating, like anything, is best done when it's an adventure. When you go into the unknown and you expect that it's going to be a really interesting and wild and challenging and kind of fun, memorable experience. But you don't know what it's going to be. And I think that, you know, people who have been married, they get bored. People who get in dating, they're bored. People get bored of their acting. It's because you already know what's going to happen. Yeah. If you already know it's boring. So like the whole idea, like what makes acting so exciting is that we don't know if it's going to work out for us. We don't know if we're going to have the careers we want. Yeah. We don't know if the scene is going to work out. We don't know if we're going to go into audition and blow our whole career with that cast director that moment. Yeah. But that's fucking amazing. Yeah. And I think like, I th- I think that what, what this talk is boiling down to me, if, if, you know, because there's usually a point where you start to kind of start to figure it out. I'm thinking that right now it's like acting or life or something. It's like, it's an, it's best done when it's an adventure. And here's why. Yeah. Because we're talking about the unknown. It's about going to the unknown, but instead of going in with fear, go in with excitement. Yeah. Go in with an openness, go in with a willingness to I find mean, out and explore.
1: I mean, I think that the way you do that is, is by ultimately accepting that your attempts to control it and your attempts to try and make it like are completely futile. Like it's, it's not even a battle. The thing is we do it because, because of fear. Yeah. Cause we, I think it makes us feel safe. Yes. But the thing is, is that it actually makes us more out of control. And by actually embracing that you don't know by embracing the mystery by embracing the unknown, you actually become more available to what the real fucking picture is all about. Right. How shit really, how amazing shit really actually goes down.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, it's like for, you know, I used to always think of like with acting, like in classes and stuff with the scene, it's just like, what's this scene all about? You know, you try and say like, it's about this bam. Right. It's like, well, that's probably part of it. There's like it could very well be part of it. But once you've just defined something and you said that that it's this and that's it. Where's the fun anymore, yeah. right? There's and there's so much more that's probably happening in it too. Way more that's happening in it than you even think. Yeah, you don't know. And you know they
0: say in acting like don't make the safe choice. I think the safe choice if there is a choice at all you know, whatever is the, uh, is, is going into the, the known is like doing something that you think, you know, and that's the control. And that's the safe choice. I mean, I really think you gotta, you gotta go in and you gotta go in not knowing what's going to happen, not thinking, you know, it's going to happen. If it happens the way you think it might, then it happens the way you think it might, but don't pat yourself on the back because you got it right. And if you didn't get it right, don't, don't be like, it's whatever. Just don't have any opinion about it. Sometimes your, your expectations will be what you think they are. But like, I think that we, we think we know, and we're taught to think that we know, and there's just so much that we, you know, we don't. And, and like, especially for a young actor, you're going to, you know, so little about the world, you mm-hmm. know, so little about people. You, you, you just like, I, I only know so much about people. Like, but I think about when I was seventeen. It's like I knew so so much less about like people in life, mm-hmm. and like now I don't even feel like I know that much, right? But like, I think the thinking you know is this kind of false sense of security, this false sense of safety. And if you think you know, then you think you know how to make it the best. And I think if you if you go, I don't know, I, I honestly don't know what the best way the scene could be, you know, but like, you know, for example, when we did the workshop, I looked at my scene and you know, I've learned to break it down into like kind of moments or beats or changes. Yeah. But instead of using like some system of like, Oh, like there's the first act of the scene and the second act of the scene, all that stuff. I just went and I read the scene and I was like, when I, as I was reading through it and I was feeling it and kind of talking, I'm like, Oh, there's a change here. It's just a change. I can see there's a change. Yeah. So i marked it down and then there's something else changed a little bit down the page. And I'm like, oh, oh, that changed. And then this changed. And then I just looked at the kind of dynamic turning points. Yeah. And then it was funny because I went back and I broke the whole thing down and I was like, Whoa, perfect three act structure. I was like, that's really interesting that it just worked out that way. <laughs> yeah. But I think the thing is just like, if I came in with it, like I'm going to find the three act structure, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I realized like, y- you know, the other thing too, is like, um, some people will say like, oh, there's always like three acts in a scene or something like that. But it's like, cause there kind of has to be in, in, in a certain way there has to be, there has to be a beginning, a middle and an end. Yeah. Like everything has to have that. Like, you know. Um, you know, it's just like life does work kind of in that, like you can't leave the room and also be in the room. Like there's a, there's a certain physical kind of dynamic to how things work. But I think, um, sometimes a scene could be, um, is an experience doesn't really matter. I think what happens is, is, is the actor is you simply have to go, you know, and, and just be honest with yourself and go, okay, there's a turn here. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you don't make an idea about what that is. Cause you don't know what it's going to be like. Um, you know, it's funny, like, uh, y- you know, sometimes you're going to get a different response. Like, have you ever had a scene where someone was supposed to say no, but they like said yes, or they like did the opposite to what was supposed to happen. Mm. If you're acting and like a lot of the time it's better to just honor what happened in the moment than it is to kind of go against it. Like sometimes you're like it'll you have some fucking asshole writer who'll be like so the character will say to you, Why are you crying? And you're not crying and it's not emotional and it's just yeah. not happening. Don't start fake crying. Respond to that as though it's like, I'm not fucking crying, idiot. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like what what are you looking at, you know? Like yeah. what's going on with you? You know what I mean? Like like you don't and and, and you go, Oh that's so wrong. It's like, that's not how it was meant. No, it's like, that's not what was happening. You got to deal with what was happening, you know? And, and I think that this is the, this is the thing I was actually just having a talk with, um, a couple friends this morning about this is that our school system has trained us, trained us to follow rules. We don't know why the rules are there for like, yeah, trained us to get right and wrong. So like, Um, my friend's a hairdresser and she was pointing out, it's like, okay, well, they say when you cut hair, you should only ever cut up to your knuckle. And she said, and that's like a rule, but she's like, I cut, I cut all the way up my, up my fingers. And she goes, the reason why the rule is there is because your knuckles actually kind of incline on most people. And what can happen is you can cut your skin by trying to cut the hair. Mm. Because if you only do it to your knuckle, it's still flat. So you won't cut your skin. But if you do it, um, all the way up the finger. So she says, I understand that rule. So she goes, this is how I adjust the hair and I, and I can cut faster. She's great hairdresser. Yeah. And I was like, that's so interesting. Cause like you understand why the rule's there, but you can break it because you understand the principle of it. I think like acting is a lot like that too. It's like, you know, we, we want to honor the playwright or the screenwriter, but like There's, it's not a hard and fast rule. You don't just do it because you have to. Yeah. You do it because there's a principle to it that we stay in integrity with the story. But, like, there's going to be times where the writer basically, you know, like they call this in hockey, they call it a suicide pass. It's where you pass the puck to somebody right when they're lined up to get just crunched by the defender. Oh, yeah, yeah. They call it a suicide pass because basically you, you have really only a few options. If you collect the pass, you're taking a, probably a pretty hard hit. Yeah. If you miss the pass, the puck goes off and you kind of look like an asshole. And then there's some variations in there, but really like it's a suicide pass because you're lined up to fucking fail. Yeah. But like, if you get caught in a suicide pass, you, you know, the, the thing you're supposed to do is to try to get, keep and collect the puck. But like, sometimes you're going to go, you know what, this isn't a battle that's worth taking. Like I've, I like I've played hockey. I've gotten a concussion before from getting like a suicide pass and like, it's not worth it. Like, why would you do that? You know what I mean? Um, but I think that with acting, it's like that. Sometimes you're going to get lined up. You're going to be in an audition and they're going to give you a suicide pass. Yeah. Acknowledge it's a suicide pass. Acknowledge that you're going to lose either way. You don't have a choice, but lose with grace. Lose the way you want to lose, you know, like let the puck go but you don't have to line yourself up to fail. Like, so if the line is like, why are you crying? You don't have to, you're not crying. It didn't happen. The emotion didn't get there. Don't put so much pressure on yourself. You're not crying. Deal with it. You know what I'm saying? But that takes the pressure off. Now we can have a little more fun, Mm -hmm. but you got a suicide. That's what I call a writer giving a suicide pass to an actor. They say uh, some stupid ass line, like, why are you crying?" which is the, like the, one of the worst pieces of dialogue you could possibly ever yeah. write in my opinion. But why the, now are the you after, crying? Yeah. <laughs> what, or why are you so angry? You know, or why yeah. are you this? Or why are you that? It's like, maybe, maybe you didn't write the scene well enough to justify the emotion. Yeah. So now the actor has to deal with that bullshit. But the actor, like I'm just telling actors, like, take a little pressure off yourself. You you know, whatever you do, if it's real in the moment and you're not crying and someone says, why are you crying? Look at them like they're an idiot. You don't, don't be an idiot, you know? And yeah. like, maybe they don't like it. Oh, they didn't cry there. It's like, who gives a shit? You know what I mean? Be a professional, like act like you're, you know, behave like you are Meryl Streep or like you're, you're Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Behave like you are the
1: authority. And, right? I mean, and especially like in an audition or something, Yeah, you know, where the casting director is probably, and maybe the director's sitting in on it too. And they've already seen a bunch of people who tried to force an emotion and they're like, this is terrible. Mm-hmm. This has been so bad. And you come in, you're not crying. And then suddenly you flip this whole thing and you start doing that. And where you're like, you're like, why are you crying? It's just like, yeah. And it's like, there's nothing wrong. You yeah. know, maybe that's the next line. It's like, there's nothing wrong. Yeah. Right. And the, and suddenly they go, what the hell's going on? Because (laughs) now you're just like, I have no idea what's going to happen next Yes, because I did not see this coming. (laughs) This person said like everyone else has come in with like nothing going on and they're not crying. And they're not crying, but they're trying to force themselves into like looking like they're upset about something. And here this person comes in, they're not crying, but they're just rolling with it completely mm. and, and honestly you just go holy shit you know like it was honest it was truthful and you might still not get the part but like you said like you you kind of went out on your own terms
0: right well right? and that's the other thing too is like you, you, you probably wouldn't have gotten
1: the part anyway so but not necessarily who knows they could also say, it's like, you know what? I love how you did that. That was unbelievable. Or they say, Hey, obviously you know what you're doing. Like you're a great actor. You're honest. You're genuine. We do need you to actually cry, but like you've demonstrated a kind of an ability, right. Of, of, of another sort. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that shit ends up being like, ah, whatever. If we really need you to cry, like we're going to, you know, we'll blast that powder in your eyes or hit you with the drops or whatever it is. Right. They do that kind of shit. Oh, they do.
0: You know, uh, I I think also like, um, do you like, that's where it kind of comes down to the integrity of it all. It's like, do you want like to do a movie where everybody's like telling you you're doing a good job and you're totally kind of just, altering your performance, altering yourself in an inauthentic way to do what they want. And then you're going to see it later and be like, Oh my God, this is a piece of shit. And everybody's going to see it and go, this is a piece of shit. Or do you rather know and stay authentic and truthful and in in your integrity? And like, maybe they don't like it so much, but like at the end of the day, everyone's like, Whoa, there was something going on there. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. One of the biggest franchises ever, Johnny Depp. Nobody liked his Jack Sparrow. Mm. Could you even imagine Pirates of the Caribbean without the way Johnny Depp did Jack Sparrow? I mean, yeah, that's authenticity. He, he trusted and had faith that what he was doing was honest and in integrity with him. I, I would be willing to bet that he probably even was like, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if everyone's going to love this, but for him, for whatever reason, that made a lot of sense. Yeah. And so he did that really truthfully and it's, it worked out where everybody liked it, but, mm-hmm. but, you know, the producers were scared. They were like, we yeah. put multiple millions, like hundreds or whatever into this fucking thing. And we don't know, yeah. we don't like it, you know, cause it
1: was a risk. And Johnny Depp is up there like prancing around <laughs> like a something that you can't even like characterize. Yeah. Really. And
0: the whole series, the whole trilogy was really like, you know, if it wasn't for him, I don't know if it would really be, it wouldn't be anywhere near as popular as it is. I don't even know if it would have been. And like in, in many ways it kind of like people, some people say he carried it on his shoulders, but he carried it on his shoulders because of a risk of being authentic.
1: Yeah. And I think that's what we got to do. do. They paid an, an outrageous sum of money to do like the sequels. I can't remember what it was. It was, it was massive. Mm. I I remember when I heard it was like, I'd never heard of an actor getting that much money. It was like $60 million or something for the, like the following two, like basically $30 million each. But he made that franchise. I mean, they knew that like, well, nobody's going to come and see Pirates of the Caribbean without Johnny Depp in it. Yeah. I wouldn't. No. They did a Pirates movie though, Johnny Depp. And I'm like, fuck off. i give it the finger. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, and, and I think that, you know, I think as actors, like when we're starting out, we haven't necessarily earned the, uh, earned and we can't, we have more difficulty getting away with kind of doing it our way. You get to his stage, you know, you could, you could have a little bit more pull, you know, you can d- kind of do what you want to do. Like Brando showed up on the Godfather and didn't know his lines. I mean, he could do that. You earn yeah. that. But you know, you're not going to be able to earn that unless you're, you know, unless you're at a
1: certain yeah. position. But, some people are still get pissy about that. <laughs> I, I still hear some people be like, Oh God, Brando. You know, but the other thing too,
0: is there's, an, there's a, there's a, there's a saying is like, if the job gets done and it gets done well, who cares how it got done? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like your, your, your pissy nature about it is irrelevant you know, like the, like, like people can go, Oh, it's so disrespectful. It's so whatever. I mean, in some ways, you know, um, it is like, there is a certain kind of like arrogance, like a certain kind of thing about it, but it's, it's not
1: typical behavior of what people normally think of as being a professional. Right. Right. It's like, you're a professional. This is what it looks like. But again, it's all just a bunch of ideas that we say, Like, well, this is what it looks like. Right. Wrong. Maybe for for Marlon Brando, like in the place he was in, he was just like, I've just got to show up. Like he showed up with some idea of what this person was. Mm -hmm. Right. Because you watch him do that. Like, it's not a very long part of the movie that he's in, but it's a weird, like captivating part of, of the movie. Yeah and yeah, he was reading like the, his lines off of cue cards that were (laughs) off camera, but it's just like he, he's like, he did not, he did not bail on a performance.
0: (laughs) Here's the other thing though. If you know anything about Marlon Brando and you read anything about him and you just start reading some of his biographies, you know, you'll start seeing that he might have actually known his lines, but just (laughs) want them to do that because he would find that funny. If you look at his history of all the pranks that he did, (laughs) he would do something like that. Which he might've actually known his lines. And, and in some ways for him, it might've been his own little
1: inside joke. You know what? I wouldn't be surprised about that in the least, especially since the nature of what's going on in that scene. Mm -hmm. Like you're like, it's the whole thing's off putting you're like, it's, you're a little bit, everything feels a little skewed and on edge. And it's possible he did something like that to put everybody else on edge, like actually put everyone in the crew and the team on edge. Yeah. That's for like, the
0: whole thing. He was a real prankster. I mean, yeah. like I've, I, I, you know, I've, I've looked into his life a lot, done a lot of research. Of course I never met him or don't really know him, but, um, he, he would get off on fucking with stuff like that from (laughs) productions since he was a young man. Yeah, And, um, you know, one of the things about like, I mean, you look at him and like his capacity, his capability, I mean, for him to memorize the lines of that scene was probably so easy. I mean, the guy, the guy memorized plays and all sorts of shit, like, you know, like he'd been acting his whole life. Like I, you know,
1: I, I don't know, starring it's, it's, in Broadway plays where it's just yeah. like, you know, you had to memorize a whole, like a whole script. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I mean, you know, so <laughs> I like, you know, and, 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 he, and, you know, he, you know, it's funny too. Like, um, and I, this is just a weird little like conspiracy theory that I have that he actually already knew his lines, but like, I could see him from, from what I've read about him as being a guy that was like really happy that he pissed everybody off. mm like really happy that he got, he got to everybody. Cause that would be the ultimate prank. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, um, you know, yeah. um, like I remember there's this one story about him where he had this scene partner who had to kiss him. Right. And he made sure his breath smelled so bad. He ate all this garlic and all this shit just to make it really like difficult for her. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, like, and so some people would go like, this guy's a fucking asshole, but like hit, like, I think one of the things about Marlon Brando, which I find kind of interesting is like, he was beaten on so much as a young man that I think he had a little bit of a kind of like a fuck you back to the man. Right. So like take the Hollywood industry. I mean, what, what's a bigger man to say, fuck you back to, you know what I mean? And, um, it's just interesting, you know, you just, you know, and so like, say what you will about it, have your opinions about it. But I think the thing is, is that I think he liked the fact that he didn't take it so seriously, Mm. you know, that like, if you look at his first Oscar win, and the way he does his speech, which is one of my favorite, if not my favorite Oscar acceptance ever. Yeah. And his second one, um, which he didn't even show up for, but it's, 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 it was very much like, like, you know, he didn't follow the rules. He didn't do what he was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And then we, we look at him and like people say he's, he's the, you know, in, in many ways, the godfather acting. And I think people get upset. And so they try and tear down his legacy of what he, 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 we base so much on today. And they mm-hmm. try to say, oh, he was just a crazy guy. And he was just this and that. But I think that's the thing is that like that little bit of kind of crazy, that little bit of like, you know, I'm going to do what I want to do. And it's going to be very real. And like, you might not like it was kind of what we all kind of aspire to be. And I think the whole thing is that I'm not saying that we should go and we should do pranks like that to our scene partners. I don't think we should go around and, and, and fuck with the people that are doing these productions. But I think that, um, there's, there's a certain kind of thing of like, um, be, be okay with, with like not doing everything right. You know, I, 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 my opinion of, and I'm just going to last time I say, Oh, Miss Marlon Brando, my opinion of him, I think he was brilliant, but I think he was also misguided and hurt mm. for a lot of his career and a lot of his life. Read some stories. You'll start to see those parallels, you know, you start right. to see parallels in a person's life. Right. But, um, I think he was a bit misguided around some things and he was, he was, he was walking around with certain hurt. Consider that, someone who had that much hurt and had that and not had very good positive mentors and influence. Also, Eli Kazan betrayed him um, by ratting out on people in the in the um, communism era. Oh, right, right, and right. that was one of his mentors. He lost total faith in one of his big mentors. I mean, for someone like him to kind of just be so disillusioned and so hurt and his father who like, You know, and all of this stuff. Like, I can relate to that struggle. So I look at that and I go, like, I'm not saying that he did all the right choices, but you're 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 putting someone to stardom who's misguided and hurt. Don't expect them to do everything perfect. You know. And I think the thing is, is that as actors, we're often misguided and hurt. And you know that we we get put in positions of fame or we get put in positions of recognition. I don't know if we all know how to deal with it. Yeah. I mean. I haven't always known how to deal with it and I'm sure there's lots of people who have been in positions where they're being watched and they're like, "Well, don't put so much pressure on me. I'm just an actor." You know, and it's kind of you kind of are. Yeah. You know? Um and I think that our society takes uh, you know, and we've had other talks about this, but I think society has a sensationalization of fame and a sensationalization of this industry. And I think that we get these stupid articles with these reporters that don't know Jack who write things to compel and sell papers and we're not getting the real story a lot of the time. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? So like, I think that like, we can't base our acting careers on the stories we're hearing from Hollywood because they're not going to lead us, you know, and I think people do it. They model it, right? Like they model what they think, like what Hollywood kind of, what things are written about. And yeah. it's like, you don't get the whole story. Like you're getting a, a writer's take on it. And like, for example, Dustin Hoffman shares in his, um, in the actor's studio about how, what was it? One of the actors he was working with, uh, Lawrence Olivier or yep. said to in, him, uh, he was so said to him, marathon man, right? Yeah. Something like yeah. that. And so he was not sleeping for a bunch of days and he said, try acting. Yeah. And that's this famous quote, right? It's like, oh just act, don't be so method. And Dustin Hoffman shares a story He's like you know, that was just taken by the media and taken out of context. He's like, I was going through a divorce, I was really depressed, I couldn't sleep, I was I was tired, I was hurting, I was in you know, whatever. And um, you know, and they took that quote and they took it totally out of context. It's like he wasn't trying to be method, he was going through shit in his life. Yeah. And so this is the thing, right? Is like we get these stories, but we don't necessarily know how accurate they are. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's so much. And then I
0: think like acting teachers and actors like teach them and apply them as though they're real. And it's just like, it's misguided. Yeah. You know, all these people are just doing the best they can. And when they do really well at it, it's probably just really truthful and authentic and really honest and in integrity with them. Yeah.
1: I think it's to a large degree, especially with that story. It's like, even if like it was the way that, you know, the story was like kind of blown out, who cares? I mean, who really cares anyways? Like Lawrence Olivier was brilliant. Dustin Hoffman's brilliant. Like it doesn't really matter. We just enjoy their work regardless. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: yeah. I mean, cause people like to have debates, you know, they like to say like, Oh, this method of acting is the way and this, you know, it's like, you know what, you know what, Act, method of acting is the way, the one that works for you. Yeah, it, and and it doesn't necessarily work for everyone else. Like for me, if I have an acting teacher or a mentor that runs things like a boot camp, I'll probably shut down. I don't like it. Yeah, you know, I probably will become uh, non-responsive to them, defiant and you know, I'll stand up to them and we'll probably clash. And I've been with acting teachers that have been like that. And we usually had, butt. yeah, some people love boot camp style. They love someone yelling at them and drilling and tearing the shit out of them. They love it. They yeah. get off on it. I don't really find that for me when someone tries to, um, be dominant and authority over me. I like, I'm oh, yeah. fiery. I bite back, you know, I bark back. I'm yeah. like, you know, I'm like ready to, you know, and, yeah, that, and that's just my style. For me, I found that a lot of the people who have been the best and for me have tended to be a little bit softer nature, more encouraging, more supportive and more gentle in their approach. Mm -hmm. I respond very well to that, but I'm not saying that's the way you, I'm not saying that I'm doing it right. I'm just saying that that's me, but Mm -hmm. it makes sense because when I was a kid, my dad was very dominant, very like, this is the rule, my way or the highway. And my mom was very compassionate and, and supportive. And it tended to be that if my mom gave me some advice, she gave it in a very kind of compassionate way, and and she would get results out of me. My dad would be like, "Don't do that. Do this or whatever." And for me, I just learned to be like, "Don't give me a rule. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do. You know." And I, I learned to stand up to authority. Yeah. And so like, that's always been something for me, and and I'm more aware of it now, so I can manage it. Like if someone gives me boot camp like feedback, I can be like, "Okay, Brandon. Like, take a moment. Take a breath. You know." what are they really saying? Don't, don't worry about their tone. Don't worry about their thing. If they're giving you some advice, like look behind the rule, ask the question, don't get emotional. And then I, but, but I have to process it a little more. If someone just comes and they're much more compassionate and they're, and they're gentle, I don't have to do so much work to like take their direction. Mm-hmm. But I've also had people around in my life. Like I was a little, I was the littlest. I was the youngest brother. So I had two older brothers. I had my dad, both all dominant men, Yeah, all telling me what to do all the time. Mm. And I I'm, I'm the youngest, you don't think that I'm going to grow up and be a little defiant. Like I'm going to start going and be like, no, I'm going to do it my way. Cause like, you know what I mean? Some people, maybe they just end up being super passive to everyone who's, who's like that, maybe yeah. in that scenario. But for me, I would the opposite. And that's just, you know, so it's just how, how I, I tend to naturally just find at ease. And I'm not saying that's right. Yeah. So my point is, is that there's no right or wrong way it's just your way is your way be truthful be honest be authentic be aware about it and deal with it Mm -hmm. you know but at the end of the day we all have to respond to the moment honestly yeah you know and nobody no no no, nothing whatever
1: yeah and what gets you there yeah what gets you to that place right ultimately yeah so how do you think of this beer i like it man yeah it's been uh it's been satisfying my uh, my chops here.
0: <laughs> well, that's good.
1: Uh I'm going to say like cause it's uh it's a lighter beer. And it's definitely got like it's like some kind of a wheat beer. Wheat beer, huh? Wheat beer, or wheat ale or something like that, I feel. Um I'm not I don't know if it's necessarily like a saison it almost has a little bit of tartness to it, but it's a, it's a wheat brew of some kind. And I think, um, and I like it. I like it a lot. Well, it is a Saison. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm.
0: And it's, um, it's called Mistress of My Soul. That's the name. And it's from uh, a brewery on Victoria on the island Okay. called Twa Dogs. Twa Dogs. Yeah. T-W-A Dogs. Yeah. Twa Dog's Brewing or Brewing Company or whatever. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, they're, apparently their Saison is like, uh, one of the, I don't know, something that a lot of people seem to be really fan
1: of here in Vancouver, at least. Yeah. Um, so it's good that you like it. Um, sometimes I find Saisons are a little bit more tart. Yeah. I than, find it a little tart, this. but yeah, it's, but.
0: it's actually like, I usually try to avoid the Saisons, but this one I actually like, and have been enjoying quite a bit. It has a little story in the days long past the <laughs> bard of the old long sin I don't know what that is fell into correspondence with the muse of Aphonkis. <laughs> she was a lady of unusual learning the equivalent of today's sexting the letters and verses written to clarinda we're steamy and full of yearning. yearn not for the un, I know, I don't know what that is. Dear beer lover, <laughs> mistress of my soul says is here to please. <laughs> anyway, so it has a little you bit off a little more than you can chew on yeah, that one. Well, I have to work on that. I have to memorize my lines there. Um, anyway, I'm going to open one more so we can have a little bit because, uh, uh, another little taster of it. Another little taster. Yeah um so yeah so that's good you like it twa dogs it's the first time they've been on the E podcast
1: yeah we've been having a, a couple of new breweries who have been branching out a little bit
0: yeah we're getting getting off the mainland a little you know yeah getting out of the little city that we live in so it's been good um
1: Not, there's anything wrong with the beer in the city that we live in
0: no i mean we've and
1: we've, there's still lots of places we haven't covered in our city here and but, there's uh, more popping up all the time too. i know yeah
0: so yeah. Um, uh, at the very least we'll have more beer to drink. Yeah. <laughs> Whether we have stuff to talk about or not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we seem to continue to find something to talk about. Yeah. It seems to be no problem. Um, yeah. So acting and shit, <laughs> acting and shit. I was going to say one of the, um, uh, from earlier on what we were all stuff getting into this whole thing of, of not knowing and learning to embrace that. Uh, I do know like you you know those master classes you know the, oh, like yeah, the, yeah. the same master class they do all kinds of different ones um acting acting writing, writing yeah. Di- yeah directing and they had one and they were promoting it quite a bit because um, i used to see the ad, the ad would pop up like when i was looking at my looking at my shit on youtube you know uh and it was one where I, it was hans zimmer hans zimmer was doing uh like a, a masterclass on, on music doing,
0: and, composing yeah, and on composing. yeah.
1: Um, for film. And I used to watch the whole thing. Like this thing came on. I didn't, not all the time, but I probably watched the ad for it like three or four times when it came on and it was like three minutes long. And I would watch it because it was just so Like just the little things that he said in it, I'm like that is so cool. Hmm. And one of the like, I think the very first thing that he would he said in in this masterclass like trailer thing was, "I am entirely sure I have no idea how to do your movie." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I remember that. And it's just like, and I just thought that was brilliant. You know, not just because he says it with his awesome little like German accent or whatever, (laughs) but it's like, here's a guy who is like an absolute master, like one of the most in demand professionals. Um, and still an artist. And I think it's because he's figured some of this shit out. And he's just like, of uh, yeah, like, as, as far as he's, he's gotten as much as he's done as many awards, like I'm sure he's won several Oscars by this point in time in his career. And he still comes into it just being like, I have no idea. Hmm. I have no idea what I'm going to do with this. I have no idea what's going to come out. Nothing. Hmm. Like let's tell the story. Let's look at the story. And that is going to like begin to dictate what I'm going to do, Hmm. where I'm going to take it. I just thought that's awesome. It's like, there's an artist who's really embraced the idea of just being like, nope, I'm letting go of all notion of, I know how to do this. Well, I mean, that's, and that's great hearing it from him because he's arguably one of the best, one of the most
0: famous out there, you know, and he's done some like iconic stuff. Oh yeah. You know, um, that we all, you know, well, if you've ever watched any
1: type of Hollywood movie, you probably, you probably heard his stuff and you probably, you know, I think if I think pretty much almost anybody in the movie going world has seen a movie that was scored by Hans Zimmer. Yeah, totally. So yeah, yeah, and
0: I mean, it's kind of it kind of comes back to our same point in the beginning is that you've got to go into the unknown and you've got to trust that when you get there, you'll figure out what's necessary. You know, yeah. you figure out what's what is the authentic place for you and. That's the thing about truth. Why it makes it so interesting is that your truth and my truth are different, Mm -hmm. and that's what makes it so interesting. Because you'll be 100% truthful, and I'll be 100% truthful, but it'll be different because we don't necessarily experience the world the same way. Like, you know, one thing is like the movie that we're making. It's interesting because your version of how you hear the music and my version of how I hear the music has very similar concepts, but also a little bit different. I noticed we go in a different direction. And I also noticed that my sound, my sound that I, that I am looking at is a little more modern. Yours, a little bit more folky or what I would call older and like older soul I'd almost go with. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. I mean, it's like, and so somewhere we're going to have to find some type of balance. And there's certain things where we, we match over but like, it's interesting. Right. And like, that's kind of like, uh, that's something that like, it doesn't mean one's better or worse or whatever, but it's something that will need to be navigated. Yeah. Well,
1: it's interesting that you bring that up because I remember when you first started sharing some of the music you were thinking of and I was just like, whoa, like that is so not what I was thinking. (laughs) <laughs> like in the slightest. Yeah. It was something I hadn't even considered. Um, but I was, I was actually able to see, I'm like, oh, okay. I can see how that could be a fit with a story like this. It would, the, it's just like, it, it's a decision. Now you start to get into, it's okay, well, how are, do we want to frame the story? How does this kind of music frame the story? You know, is yeah. it, does it in, in caps, in, does it, communicate the thing that I almost see sort of directorially in my own writer, you know, having written it. You know, you you have a, a way that you see it, the way that you feel it. Um and sort of how that all comes together with the music. Um but it's interesting because I've been listening to because I've been listening to a lot of Canadian like like new Canadian um artists in as we're, as we're, you know, moving forward with, with this film. Um, because I'm like, well, I, I would love to have a Canadian soundtrack to, to this film and who are some of like the, who are the new Canadian acts. And I wouldn't have necessarily considered doing that had I not heard some of what you were thinking. Cause I'm like, m- cause it made me go, well, maybe I knew need to look at something a little bit, see what's going on right now in the music world mm. and within like the country and out of that, I ended up discovering this amazing fucking band and a song that I was like, "Oh my God, I see the entire trailer for this movie to this song mm. like i I just saw the whole thing and it's a bit of a newer sound. It's a bit of a blend of kind of like some of the stuff that you, you had and, and, but still like bringing in some of the stuff I had in mind, like, and it was like this nice sort of fusion. I really love the energy of it. Mm. And to me, because of that, there's a whole new feeling to me, um, in terms of how, how uh, of the tone and the sound of what I think the film should be now. Mm. But I, had to completely like, I had to be able to let go of some of my preconceived notions.
0: I think that's, yeah, I think that's good. I mean, I, I think that's the, the challenge that any like writer or, you know, writer or, um, director, anybody faces is like, you know, you, you, you have your world and your perception of the world. And it's not to say that it's not like, it doesn't have some kind of like accuracy as to like what this needs, but also like until you burst that bubble, you know what I mean? Yeah. You don't know because like, it's like these conversations, right? Like I come in here and I don't know what we're going to talk about, but I've, I've, I've long since realized that like, once we start talking, you're going to bring some things in the conversation that I'm not thinking about. And I'm just going to be like, okay you know, we're in this, and and I like that. And I think that's what makes this work. And I think every time we bring a guest on, they open a world that neither of us expect, you know, because we've talked a lot. And so like, you know, I think like you and I have had enough conversations now where we kind of like have found a pretty good overlap, you know, and sometimes we burst our bubble a little bit, like, you know, with you'll, we'll get into a topic that maybe I've never heard your world of or have you never heard my world of. but the neat thing about bringing in guest is always a whole new world that gets thrown in. yeah, whole new yeah.
1: <laughs> but it really is right if you, so. yeah it's a good thing you stop because if you're saying anymore we might have to like oh my god get like copyright <laughs> uh, yeah right. Um, <laughs> I don't even know how that works for podcasts. Um, but yeah, no absolutely absolutely. People bring in their own worlds, pre- people bring in their own perspectives. And yeah, it's not to say that you can't fight for your perspective. Um, but I think it's about, it's that whole, it's that whole concept of until you learn that you can say no, you can't really say yes either. Yeah. You know, so it's like, until you've, you claim that, bo- that you can both throw something away or keep it and that it doesn't ultimately really matter. Hmm. Because in a a way, it doesn't. A lot of these types of things that we wrestle with a lot of the time, it's like, oh, should it be this type of music? Or should it be this kind of music? Right? It's like, well, it doesn't really matter. You know, in, in a lot of ways, it really doesn't. And until you say it's like, okay, well, we could do it that way. Right? And really say like, okay, yeah, we could do it this way. It's like, and, and now you go, it's like, okay, I had it in my mind of this way too. So we can go both ways with this. And then you can really make a decision. Then you can really make some kind of a, of a real call on it and fight for it yeah. out of a place that's like really can, genuine.
0: And you can go a whole new way that you never would have gone otherwise. I mean, like, you know, um, you're looking at these new Canadian artists and stuff, which you might not have looked at had it not jarred your expectation a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And casting is a lot like that. I mean, from the directing side and, you know, uh, of all that, like there's been so many times I've been in this situation. I mean, I've seen literally thousands of actors for auditions and I, uh, you know, I've probably cast at least over a hundred parts, you know, for movies and stuff and television. And, um, there's so many times where you get caught between two or three people and you're just like, they're all great. And you're like, well, we could go this way or we could go that way or go this way. And you're like, I don't know necessarily which way is the best way. Then you start pairing things up with your cast. You start thinking about it. And if you kind of like sit on it long enough, you start to find something that kind of feels right. And, you know, and I think like for the actors, um, you know, every once in a while, someone will come in, And they'll just, I don't know what it is. They just get it in a certain way. You get that character. It's not that you're necessarily like, it's not really about being a better actor because it's really, sometimes you, someone kind of just has, I don't know, they're at a time in their life or they've worked something out and they come in and they just kind of like, they're just at a place where they are on it, you know? And you're like, well, that person is like, they almost have that quality. That's almost like, you just want to cast them because you're just like yeah they have all the right pieces like they just they're interesting dynamic they get it they're present they're real they're authentic they also seem like an awesome person to work with they're easy to talk to you know it's all of those things and you just go you know what we don't even have a part for this person but let's just like write one because like we need to get them on set we need yeah. to just get them here you know and and that'll happen but i think a lot of the time what happen is you'll have a, a scene or a character of some sort and there'll be three options, two or three options. And you'll be like making a decision and each actor would give it a different feel. And it just kind of starts to really come down to the director mm-hmm. and the director in many ways, or the showrunner kind of going, this is the feel that I think would best serve what we're trying to do. Yeah, And, and then, you know, and that's a really good perspective for actors to have on it because yeah. it's
1: like, it's not a right or wrong thing. No, yeah. and
0: like don't try and control that like your feel it, you know and i think you got to have like i really i don't know like people could call this kind of woo woo or like kind of out there and spiritual but i really do think that you need to walk into your acting career as though a role is being written for you and if you think about it it really is because if you keep going to auditions and you keep showing up a certain way and keep keep experiencing your your authenticity as unique and dynamic as it is, people will walk away and they will write that. They will start to, the world will have an impact and it will try to find a place for you. And I mean, I think that you do yourself a disservice if you don't believe that. Um, You know, I know as a writer director, I, some of my friends who have been actors and stuff, like, or just people I've met in life, I've been like, man, that, that needs to be a character. Like that needs to be written. And like, I've written stuff with people in mind, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, I think that, y- you know, if you keep putting yourself out there authentically, like eventually the world is going to respond and kind of like give you back what you are. And it's like with every action, there's an o- equal and opposite like reaction, you know, it's like, I don't think we realize that we're making an impact. kind of, I'm going to bring it back to the earlier part of the conversation. I said, I'm coming back to acting. I didn't realize that my acting had made such an impact on people. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that like people might've been writing roles for me. I didn't realize that people were thinking about me. I didn't realize that like, like what was happening, but I just, you know, all I remember before was I was just filled with so much self doubt and so much like, am I like, good enough? And will this ever work for me? at mm-hmm. you know, at the end of like, before I kind of went on my little hiatus, um, that I was just so caught in my own head in my own little world about acting at least. Yeah. And to kind of come back and go, shit, like when I was, who I am as a person and what I bring to the table actually makes an impact. I think that's been a lifelong battle. I, you know, for me is to to recognize that I'm, I don't know, I I think I'm not going to blame anybody, but I I think it's just a byproduct of being like the youngest, like I'm a lot younger than my older brothers. And my parents were very busy at the time when I was growing up. So I often felt invisible. You know, I was often left alone a lot as a, as a young man. And, um, you know, was kind of outcasted a lot in high school because whatever it doesn't mean I didn't get in the story, just kind of the way it worked out. So I started to experience myself as kind of not mattering being Mm -hmm. kind of invisible. And so I didn't realize how much that impacted me growing up, but you know, a lot of my realizations in the last several years have been a lot about what you really do make a big impact on people. You really matter. People notice when you're not there. Um, people want your attention and, and you know, there's like, I met someone for coffee the other day, like uh, maybe uh, the other day of a few weeks back and I hadn't seen them in a long time they immediately messaged me after and they were just telling me like how much they miss me and how like they hadn't seen me in so long. And mm-hmm. they were so grateful that I made time for them. And I was like, what <laughs> I was just Like, like, <laughs> I didn't know that I made such an impact on you. It, yeah, it's I'm constantly, and, and, and like, the thing is, is like, I think that we are all making a massive impact on each other. And the more authentic and real we are, the more of an impact we're making. And It's not about if you're special or better or anything. It's simply that you're, you're showing up with your kind of true self and, and people want that, you know?
1: And like, yeah, this whole thing of special, yeah. that whole special thing is oh, just that's, like, that's a whole nother fucking mess. That's, yeah, Oh <laughs> God. Like that special. That fucking special thing will just destroy you. You know, this whole thing of like, it's like, Oh, I got to be special. I want to be special. What makes me special? I got to show people how, that I'm special. And it's like, Again, how the fuck do you even think you're going to do that? Yeah. Yeah. Like again, how do you think you're going to do that? It's like you know what being the keyword. Like (laughs) it comes and it does. Like if there's any sort of advice around, it's like it's about being genuine. Yeah.
0: Like it's, it's going to come out authentic. with you, out you
1: seeing it. It's going to be invisible to you. The thing that makes you special,
0: which you are, and everybody is, this is the thing that people don't realize yeah. you are special and we're
1: all special, but not in the way that we yeah. all th- like that. We're all sort of indoctrinated into thinking what makes us special.
0: Yeah. Right. Like, like we think special it's an idea. Means, we think special means that you're better than other people. Yeah. Like that's how we're taught. Special is special is like, it's like, it's not, it's like, it's that you're, you're, you have an authentic way of being and like, it's not going to be liked by everybody. Like the other thing too, is we don't think of special as being like, like nobody likes your brand. (laughs) That's kind of special. Yeah. We don't think of it like that. We think of it like you need to be liked by everybody and you have to be the best and you have to be better. And, and that's, that's the part that's bullshit. And the other thing, it breeds entitlement. Mm. you know, like it breeds this kind of like, if you think you're better than everybody, like, well, you don't have to work as hard, do as much to get as much done. And I think sometimes the world can give us uh, messages back that almost make that seem true, but it isn't really true. Yeah. Um, And, you know, uh, I, I think that we can sometimes have predispositions to certain things that make certain things easier for us. But like, it doesn't make you better. There's like, it's like that saying, it's like with every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. I mean, Mm -hmm. every asset or benefit you have in one area costs you somewhere else, you know? And, and the, and the question is, is like, does it register in society? Like, for example, I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that like, good looking people in our society. And I'm not saying they're the best looking. I'm just saying like commercially good looking, fitting our thing. They're going to have certain things that are going to be easier for them. That's just how our society has been programmed. Yeah. But there's an equal and opposite reaction to that, which is that, um, commonly they're not going to develop a lot of work ethic. Commonly they're, they're not going to develop a lot of self-esteem around their ability and their personality. Not always, but commonly. The reason why is because if you show up and you're good looking and people just give you stuff, you, you kind of start to experience life as kind of easy that way. Mm -hmm. Whereas someone else who maybe doesn't get given stuff or get things given or granted to them as easily, they have to develop personality and work ethic to get it. So they develop this kind of um, other thing. Um,
1: There, there's some, I don't remember who said it, of course. that's classic what I do, but (laughs) you know, it was, somebody had said something to the effect of like beauty is one of the most horrible curses you can ever give somebody.
0: Yeah. Like,
1: Uh, yeah, that's a very old saying. yeah. Yeah. It's like, and you know, a lot of people like will still go, Oh fuck off. Like that's bullshit. Right. It's like, you know what this person's life is like, you know, like there's so much, um, there is so much like image and body issues with like the, the most beautiful people in the world, like with people who are, you know, really like who are career models and stuff because why? Because their whole life, their whole career, their livelihood is based on just how they look. Yeah. So everything like becomes the biggest thing, you know, this is like, sagging like maybe a little bit more than it did the day before and it's like it's a fucking disaster because it really couldn't mean their career's over mm-hmm. these little things could end their fucking like their bread and butter yeah it's which they of, can't eat no it's <laughs> it's a yeah it's a lot
0: it's a lot of it's a lot of pressure in fact um you know, it's, it's common, especially for women in our society, because so much pressure is put on women for how they look, um, that usually the, the women who are quote unquote, the best looking or the, you know, whatever treated that way usually have the highest level of insecurity and, um, the most eating disorders and, and, and disorders of such like Mm -hmm. that. And, um, you know, uh, it's, there's a certain kind of time of, I'd say almost like, uh, there's, there's a highlight time in their life, but then, you know, what a lot of people don't really think about is those, um, models or whatever, who they eventually get older, you know, and, and then you eventually get to that point where, you know, you're not, not everybody gets treated like Cindy Crawford, you know? Yeah. Not everybody gets, um, still embraced as this legend, You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and you know, we might not, we, we might not see it on the macro level, but on their micro level, they can experience it. And the other thing too, is that we, we actually also work in a society or live in a society where people will get used for their looks. And because you're so young, you don't know that you're being used. You don't know that people are manipulating you and you don't know that they're taking advantage of that. Um, and so, you know, like I think that it's just really important that we all we don't look at anyone's life as though it's better than ours or that somebody has it easier. Like there's always a struggle. Like that was one thing like and it sounds so silly to say it, like it's it's such a it, I mean, I don't know, but it's a common thing. But like a lot of people assume that if you're wealthy, that you have no problems. Yeah like i listen i've been wealthy i we've had millions and we've had i've literally lived in a trailer park i've seen both sides of it the struggles are different but they're there yeah it does you know like biggie said man more money more problems in some ways you have more problems that's you know and 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 in some ways you don't, but the thing is, is that like, that's, that's the thing. I think there's this common misconception that if someone looks good, that they don't have as many problems or if someone's wealthy, they don't have as many problems. And we've been buying into this in our society that, or if someone's more famous, it's like, you just don't know what their problems are yet. You know? And like, if you were put in their shoes, you'd start to see that there might be a lot more going on than you, than you could even imagine. Yeah. And you know, if, if we had the, um, ability to try on other people's lives and really experience what their challenges are, we might actually go, Oh, I don't know if I want that. You know what I mean? Because like, we also assume that if, if our life went a certain direction, like, you know, maybe there's that turning point in your life where you go, I should have done this, or I should have done that. Well, here's the thing. If you did do the other thing, you would have to give up something about who you are today and what you know, and you would have to walk into that life not knowing what you know today. If you really track back what you've learned since then, you might not want to have gone that route because you'd have to give up wisdoms and awarenesses and pains that you would have gone through. And the thing is, is like, you know, that saying more money, more problems. A lot of people who become lottery winners end up losing it all and actually end up in more debt than they've ever been in. Yeah. Because what, in a weird way like people think money solves problems in some ways it actually amplifies problems yeah and what was once a small problem cuz you didn't make a lot of money becomes a massive issue yeah so like in some ways before you make money or before you get your dreams come true it's actually better for you to work out a lot of your own personal shit right and i think the universe i don't know like people don't necessarily see life this way but i think the universe kind of is going like, look, we got to work this shit out before you get your dreams here. So I'm going to keep pushing you to work this shit out because you can't have what you want because you'll destroy yourself with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. If you have a drug habit and you don't have a lot of money, your drug habit is only going to be easier to, to, to feed when you have a lot of money, Yeah, which means you could probably destroy yourself with it. Yeah. So you better work out your drug habit now before you get money because like literally more access to more stuff will literally just give you the means to destroy yourself. Yeah. And I think the universe is conspiring to help each of us not do that. Yeah. That's my belief. I don't know. You don't have to like, I, I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not saying to you, I'm just saying to the audience, you don't have to agree with me. Yeah. No. No.
1: no I'm, I'm, I pick up what you're throwing down. I agree with you. I know you do. I agree <laughs> with you. Well, you know, it's like, it's weird because like you have all this, like, and this isn't to get like, I, I'm not a religious person or anything, but you know, um you know I think so much as we're familiar with that that idea of it's like well it's like your prayers aren't always answered um the way that you want right but they're always answered hmm. um again it's this whole thing of what we think is supposed to happen right <laughs> if we got everything we wanted
0: we would destroy ourselves if we got everything we oh, wanted yeah. without adversity Without, without the learning element, without the evolution and growth element, we would literally destroy ourselves. I mean, people like, why do you think child actors end up having such trouble most of the time? A lot of the time. Yeah. Because it's like, you're given things that are way too much power, way too much means before you even know how to deal with it. Yeah. And like, it's kind of the, you know, it, it goes like back to the whole kind of thing of like humility and hubris right? Like if you don't have enough humility and you get too much of what you think you want, your hubris will destroy you. It will literally dismantle in a weird way. Like you just have more means to destroy yourself with. And I think that's why humility is such an important thing. Humility is so important because humility helps you have a self-checking point where you won't, where you won't use your means to destroy yourself. Mm -hmm. Because you know, the one thing I've learned about humility is that humility has taught me how vulnerable I am and how quickly everything I want can just disappear. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I lost a friend at like 21 years old. One day he was alive. The next day he got hit by a car and he was dead. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had moments like I've had a couple like near, near life death experiences kind of thing like calling them life death because they wake you up a little, but you know, you, I realized like shit like this could all be over. And, and, and I think that when I was a young, young man, I used to kind of walk around with like a, a certain invincibility. If you have invincibility, you'll push what you, what's capable. And, you know, you could end up just like doing yourself in and, and, you know, and I think that's the thing is like, I'm not saying that, that humility keeps you in check. It keeps you kind of going, okay, well, like I'm not invincible. Um, you know, and, and that if I'm, if I'm not mindful of what I'm doing, I could destroy myself. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I mean, I've seen people, uh, I've seen people OD on drugs, Mm -hmm. you know, and they believe that they can just, Take more. That's really what's going on. They just believe that they can just handle more than they can, and like, it's a scary thing. It's scary for them. It's scary for anybody who sees it. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I I don't. It, it's the things nightmares are made of. Hmm. Literally, like if you've if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. If you've never seen it, you know, it's it's like a nightmare happening right in front of you. It's 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 I'm like being at music festivals, like last music festival I was at, I saw a few OD situations and it, it like made me go like, holy shit, like just, everybody's just having fun. And then you see something like that and you kind of go, whoa, like everybody like take a check here. You know what I mean? And like, that's, that's why humility is important where you kind of go, okay, like I need to respect what I'm, you know, doing like my friend, and we were talking about this the other night. It's the last thing I'm going to say about it. We we're talking about, um, ayahuasca and he was telling me about some of his stories. And he was telling me about a friend who has done quite a lot of it. And he was saying that, um, it's not a matter of, uh, like there's, there's one thing to fear ayahuasca. There's another thing to respect ayahuasca and they're different. Mm. And the respect is the humility. The fear is the like, the fear is, is, is kind of, it's kind of not really in reality, but like, you know, if you, if you, if you just go and you say like, like I'm invincible, like, like you start telling me, he's like, I is one of those things that's going to make sure you know that you're not. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it's, you know, so it's like, anyway, I, I just think that that's kind of the thing, right? Is like, our life gives us some hardships so that we can kind of have some humility and then we can keep ourselves in check. And then as we get what we want, we won't use it to destroy ourselves.
1: Yeah. Or we, destroy other people. Or destroy other people.
0: Right? Because that's the other side of the coin. Yeah. It's like, oh, I wouldn't hurt myself. Was like, maybe you'd have the means to hurt everybody else and that wouldn't be good either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you want to wrap this baby
1: up? Yeah. Let's wrap this bad boy up. All right. This was a good talk. Absolutely. Um, yeah, this was, this was kind of cool. This was like, like, what did we
0: talk about? We really, We We talked about a lot about acting. We talked a lot about being authentic.
1: We talked, um, a lot about this thing of, of what you think, you know, and what you think should happen. Yeah. How you think things should go and how that's really just an absolute, uh, and for me, I think this is my, my big point on this. Like this just takes me right, This conversation just took me back to like my like like training in like Meisner and stuff like that when I was like right in the crux of it and learning these things and I love to talk about it again because I get new awarenesses and insights as far as like some of these principles of what's happening right now. Hmm. Like, forget about what you think you know. Forget about trying to control and and take this into what you think it should be. Because as an artist, as artists, we are, we are explorers, we are pioneers. And that means going into uncharted territory, not necessarily for all of mankind, but for ourselves. Yes. Going into uncharted territory. That's well put. And being open to seeing what's there and finding our expression in that place. When we find our expression in that place, then all of this shit about what's right and wrong and whether it's good or bad or whatever, like it all just goes out the window Mm. because then it's about being the truthful expression of something. Mm. And that's really what it comes down to is being the truthful expression of something as it is nothing more, nothing less that's it, man. That's it.
0: I, you know, I like how you put it as like, uh, doing it, like exploring the unknown for ourselves, not necessarily for mankind. I don't think we have to put so much pressure on ourselves, but like people might have done things in the past, but if you're doing it, it's the first time for you. And no matter what anybody tells you about it, it won't, you won't know it until you you're doing it until you're in the middle of it. And so in, in, in many ways I would say like, don't prepare yourself to be ready for what you're walking into, walk into it and figure out how to deal with it. Yeah. You know, like I think, especially with acting is like, don't think you can walk into like most of it. Some of it you'll be prepared for. Some of it you'll yeah. have what you need. But some of it you'll be underprepared or overprepared or whatever. But the thing is, is you just got to deal with it as it is. You just, you know, you deal and um and 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 allow that to be all right. And and I think like I'm going to bring it back to like something I said. I think early on in the conversation, really, is that I think what I'm realizing is that it's an adventure. And this adventure, the one thing that makes it so interesting is that you don't know it and we don't know it, but it'll be totally unique to you. And the way you respond to it will be fascinating to not only us, but to yourself. And if it's not fascinating to both, then why do it? I mean, life's just boring after that. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think that, you know, when you walk into the world from a place of adventure, don't, don't walk in with this fear about like, what could go wrong? just let let that go. Have faith that the universe has your back. You know, you can call them guardian angels, call it just like energy, call it the human spirit, but something is looking out for you. It's 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 going to make sure you're okay. The the biggest thing that's going to destroy you or hurt you is yourself. It's not going to be it's not going to be someone else or something else. It's going to be you. It's yeah. going to be you getting yourself into trouble. You know, so like you know, um, and the world's going to teach you humility. Sorry to tell you people, but that's, what's going to happen. When you walk into the unknown, you're going to interact with the world and it's going to be painful at times. It's going to be hard and that's good. And just thank it because it's teaching you humility. It's giving you the, what you need to survive. Yeah. And, um, you know, adventure is good because it's not always easy. It's not always fun. It's not always like in, in, enjoyable or, uh, comfortable, right? It's not yeah. always like that but what makes life interesting is we go into the unknown, we find out, and then we discover while well we're there. And we want to sit, for some reason, we want to go to plays and sit down in, in seats and capture it on film. And we want to, we want to capture it. We want to look at it because we want to see people walk into the unknown and we want to see what they're going to do. Yeah. And that's why reality TV works in a way. Cause even though you put some bug in front of someone's face and you go, will they eat it? I don't know if they're going to eat it. Will they do it? And now like, we've done so much reality TV and everybody eats the bug that we're like, okay, it's not interesting anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like, if you put someone to a situation where they don't know what to do, they they almost can't go wrong, but it's fascinating regardless. You know, we, we, we're interested to yeah. see like, how will they deal with that? Yeah. Of course, if someone like, you know, people will never get cast in a reality TV show if they go in with the attitude of it's like, I won't, I won't eat anything. I won't do any of it. Cause then there's no interest. Right. What's interesting is like, they don't know if they'll do it. They don't know if there's a point that'll gross them out, but they're willing to do a lot of gross things, but yeah. there might be a point where they draw the line. They don't know yet though. Right. Yeah. Like what might they put in front of me? But if someone's like already drawn the line too early, they're not interesting to watch anymore. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause they're already prepared not to eat anything. Right. But that was kind of like where re- reality TV really began to kind of
1: really t- start to take stride, you know? was with Fear Factor. Fear Factor. Fear Factor. And like, for example, that was an interesting show. That yeah, was, but, it was a weird sort of social experiment.
0: One of the reality shows was, uh, who wants to marry a millionaire was one of the first ones that came out. Mm. Cause people were like, would people actually do that? And then we watched on reality TV, like people actually like competing to marry a millionaire. And we were like, this is kind of Rocking my world a little bit. Like people yeah. had talked about it before, but like a lot of people I think were kind of like, I don't know if that would happen or not. Some people are like, Oh yeah, that would totally happen. But like a lot of people had never had an experience of really seeing that. And then you're seeing it on a show where that might happen and you're like, Whoa, right? So that's the thing, is that there has to be this element of adventure, this element of the unknown. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it all comes down to.
1: Well, This has been another not-so-serious Sunday, Brandon. No, it's been a lot of fun, man. As always, into the unknown.